0: Alright, welcome to the Dog Zone, your look into Husky football in 2018. I'm your host for this episode, Andy Amashta. I'm filling in for Alec Dietz, who is most likely going to be hosting the majority of these. We are at The Daily and are really excited to introduce to you this new mini-podcast focusing primarily on Husky football. The box seat is entering Season 3 of It's Run this week, and I'm sure I can speak for Alec and Chris when we say we're very excited to bring you guys more stuff there. But in the meantime, Husky football. This week's game against BYU was, well, it was not very close. The Huskies cruised to a 35-7 to win at Husky Stadium on Saturday, and those BYU points came in the last minute of the game. A thoroughly dominant performance from everyone involved. Here to talk uh, with me about this game is our sports editor and also football beat writer, Josh Kirschenbaum. Like we said, a dominant performance all around. Jake Browning finished with two incompletions, 23 for 25 on for 277 yards, a touchdown pass, and a run. What were your first—how What what? were what, how do you feel about his performance? It was
1: definitely his best performance this season. It was probably better than any of his performances last season. It's quite possibly his best of his career. A lot of it had to do with what was happening around him. The run game was working. The offensive line was giving him all the time he needed and more. And when you give Jake Browning all the time he needs and more, Jake Browning is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12,
0: and he showed So do you think this has helped kind of mitigate all of the criticism he's gotten over the last couple weeks? Is there anything that he can do if he keeps playing like this? Do you think some of the critics are going to get off his back a little bit, or is this just something he's going to have to deal with for the rest of the season?
1: I mean, if he keeps doing that every week, if he goes 23 for 25 (laughs) with two touchdowns every single week, then, yeah, that'll get rid of some of the critics. But, I mean, we were joking in the press box after the game. People are are unreasonable. We were expecting so many tweets that were, you know, Ah, well, give him one good game, but he'll be back to his normal. And people are stupid. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're still going to be the Browning naysayers. It's just a fact of life. But they touch on that, and Browning is tired of hearing all that, I'm sure. But, like, offensive coordinator Bush Hamden was saying after the game, like, for somebody who gets so much pressure put on him, he's just, I mean, you can see the results he's done so well just handling it. He's
0: basically a consummate pro at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, so another obvious um, pro for the Huskies, Savant Achman and Miles Gaskin combined for over 150 yards to pace the run game. And the defense was business as usual. They held the Cougars to 194 total yards, just 34 on the ground, and garnered praise from some big names later that night. Um, what did you see from the running game and the run defense uh, against BYU?
1: Well, the running game was. Obviously good. You see the numbers for both Gaskin and Ahmed. Uh, for Ahmed specifically, I mean, every time we talk to any of the coaches, it's always we want to get Savon Ahmed the ball more. We want to get him the ball more. We need to give him touches and watch him work. And the past two games, we've seen that. He's had 10, touches, or 10 carries in both of the, the last two games against Arizona State and here. And he's ended up with, I believe, 157 yards between those two games on the ground. And it's been interesting because they've used him pretty much entirely as the number two running back, using him out of the backfield. They want to under center a lot more than usual this game. But they've also, I don't want to say they've changed up their run game, but they've really taken advantage of both him and Gaskin's shiftiness. They ran a lot of stretch plays over tackle, so they were getting him, they were handoffs, but they were handoffs to get him the ball in space out wide. Those are A lot harder to block, and it showed they had a couple uh, holding calls. But the offensive line was really just—they were giving them the holes. They were setting the edge, and that's really what you need to do. And I mean, Jake Browning was saying after the game uh, about Miles Gaskin—it's—he's just a guy that you give him three yards and he'll give you seven, and that's pretty much what happened. They just had so many explosive plays. That was the offense in general. Like, I had a stat after the game that when you think about football, right, you got to get ten yards Mm -hmm. and three down. So if you get four yards a play. You're doing pretty good. If you get less than four, that's you're going behind. You're getting behind progression. Washington had more plays that went for more than ten yards yesterday than they had that went for fewer
0: than four yards.
1: That's impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, when that happens, you're going to have a good day. And
0: a lot of those came on the ground. So, uh, you touched on a little bit the offensive line. Is there anything you saw that makes you feel like they can carry this kind of form on when, as they face maybe better defensive lines?
1: Well, well, BYU is probably one of the top three or definitely top five defensive lines they're going to see this year. They had...
0: Auburn was rough for week
1: one. Auburn, okay, Auburn is one of the top two in the country with Clemson. Utah was good. Arizona State does some interesting things. BYU had a 6-9 defensive end, and their defensive line is huge. Uh, And that's what BYU is known for. They're a defensive first team. I mean, and this was a defensive line that kept the Wisconsin ground game pretty much silent. Mm -hmm. So don't take this as a non-conference game. This was a really good performance for the UW offensive line.
0: As we mentioned earlier, the Huskies defense was very impressive. They almost secured the first shutout of a ranked team by the Huskies since 1990, a muff punt by the third string punt return being the only thing that led to a score. What were your big takeaways? Obviously, BYU isn't a slouch on offense, but the Huskies sure made them look like it.
1: Yeah, it was a great game for the UW defense. And the thing we heard all week coming into the game was BYU's rushing attack because it's been compared to almost like a triple triple option. Like, they're not balancing the run and the pass really so much as balancing the outside runs, the inside runs, the jet sweeps, the tosses. And full disclaimer, BYU, there were a couple times I was up in the press box and I was like, that was a really awesome play. Like, they were doing some things that you really don't see. They had one time where they took the snap and the quarterback bootlegged and then they ran a counter shovel off of it and it went for like 15 yards and you just like sit back and it's like yeah that's that that was awesome but for the most part Washington held firm they set the edge which was huge against BYU's jet sweep action uh, that was mostly on the edge rushers Benning Potoha, he had one really great play where he just wasn't blocked and ended up <laughs> getting to the ball carrier about the si- same time that the ball carrier got to the ball which is always a good thing BYU did have a couple breakdowns on their offensive line. There was one, I think, it was in the second quarter where they just forgot to block the nose tackle. Yeah, that doesn't help. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't help. But yeah, BYU came in running the ball down everybody's throat. I mean, they ran the ball down Wisconsin's throat. They had 100 yards, 160 yards rushing in three of the games coming in, three of their four games coming in. They finished with 34. Most of those were in the fourth quarter. Washington just completely shut them down.
0: All right. so like we mentioned with Browning, um, there's something else that came out of that game for him. He became Washington's all-time leading passer on a third of Drew Sample over the middle, passing Cody Pickett's record set back in the early 2000s. On the record, Browning was very typical, shook off the record um, when asked about it. It says they're meant to be broken, you know, classic Browning. Um, He hopes someone comes along and breaks his record, all the things you want to hear your quarterback say. This really does, if it wasn't obvious before to all the people, this cements him as a Husky. Would you say a Husky great?
1: Oh, yeah, obviously. There are a lot of
0: Husky greats, and he's one of them. All right, so we just you know had to mention that. Obviously, a big uh, accomplishment for him. Injury-wise, the Huskies did have some bad news. Defensive lineman Shane Bowman will be out for the next six weeks or so, according to head coach Chris Peterson. Bowman broke a bone in his foot and could potentially return after UW's bye week. Um, how do you think that's going to impact either rotations up front, uh, any kind of defensive defensive situations? I mean, not a whole lot,
1: uh, obviously. If it, it didn't have a, much of a say in the game on Saturday, and that was one of the best rushing attacks they're going to see. Um, obviously, they're going to miss his big body up front, but uh, Levi Anzarike came in, and he was starting on the line. He's really good, and just moving him up to the first line with Greg Gaines, there's mm-hmm. not going to be any drop drop-off there and there wasn't any drop off on the second line either so
0: and then we also saw starting corner jordan miller limp off the field in the second half but jimmy lake said that miller would be fine and they held him out to you know give him a rest and give keith taylor some reps this obviously this defensive backfield garners so much praise from every opponent every time coach lake talks about them is there any kind of worry if Obviously, there's, they're deep, but would you have any kind of worry about Taylor stepping in for Miller or if Byron Murphy's injury problems kind of re-emerge?
1: I mean, only in that Jordan Miller and Byron Murphy are very, very good. And, like, Keith Taylor is good, but he's not Jordan Miller good yet. yet. Yeah. Give him a year, and he might get there. We'll see. It was interesting with Austin Joyner also out. He was out with concussion for cross-ray yeah, measures. That's what we're getting to, yeah. So if Miller—if he had been in, like, well, even though he's mostly been playing safety this year uh, when— the Huskies needed a third cornerback to step in for Miller and Murphy. The past couple of weeks, they moved Joyner back into that corner role. So with him out, getting Keith, Ta- I mean, getting Keith Taylor reps is always a good thing. And he would be starting. Against a
0: senior quarterback, too. Against
1: a senior quarterback. BYU's offense is doing a lot of weird things that you're not going to see really anywhere else. Um, so it was an interesting experience, I'm sure, for him. It was a good experience, I'm sure, for him. And let's be honest, Keith Taylor's starting on most schools that aren't UW right now. So he's definitely ready, and he showed it. He played well.
0: And um, with Austin Joyner, do you have any idea kind of, yeah, they've played him a lot at safety, but he played a lot of cornerback before that. Do you have any idea yet about where his future position might be?
1: Wherever they need him. He, He can play. If I had to pick somebody who could... You could replicate 11 times and make a defense out of it's Austin Joyner. He's big enough to play linebacker if they needed him to. He's actually, they had a couple times where when He they, steps
0: up sometimes, He right? steps
1: up, especially on third downs when they put extra DBs on the field. He had a couple of plays at Utah, I think, where he pretty much lined up at edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, he can do that. He's big enough to do that. He's also a, one of their better cover guys at corner and safety. He can step up from safety to lower the boom. Yeah, they're not going to restrict him to one play. He's kind of like Taylor Up, They're not going to restrict him to one position.
0: And looking ahead to next week's game, the Huskies will travel down to Pasadena to play the UCLA against former Oregon head coach Chip Kelly. The Bruins are not, not having good. a good start. <laughs> I mean, that's almost putting it lightly. Not good is uh, they are 0-4. And they have also lost their starting quarterback, Wilson Spate, which has led to a starting role for true freshman Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Obviously, this is a pretty favorable matchup for the Huskies. What are you seeing out of UCLA that could potentially cause them problems, or are you not even really worried?
1: I mean, you always worry. I mean, with an 0-4 team, it's coached by Chip Kelly. You know that even if he doesn't have his pieces... He's gonna do good things. He's gonna have some new ideas. You can never overlook any team in the, especially in the Pac-12, especially UCLA. I mean, the problem is that they haven't put a team effort together. But they're still UCLA. All of their guys are four or five star recruits. They get blue chippers, yeah. They get all of the talent. They just haven't done anything with it. Uh, their main problems at quarterback, Wilton Spake, came in as a transfer from Michigan, which raised some eyebrows. He got the starting job and then got hurt in the first game. Uh, that brought Dorian Thompson Robinson in, true freshman. He has not looked good. Actually, yeah. Uh, in their loss to Colorado he had won seventeen of thirty five. Uh, he's got three touchdowns on the year, he also has two interceptions, which is not the great average or not a great <laughs> ratio. Yeah, yeah. The bigger problem for UCLA is that with DTR starting, that convinced Devon Modster, who had been their backup to to transfer transfer, yeah so now they're playing a true freshman with their starting quarterback hurt and their backup quarterback gone so they have to play the true freshman UCLA is just not in a good place right now like they're in the bad place
0: it is worth noting I feel like that they've lost 12 straight road games but this will be at the Rose Bowl so maybe if they have any kind of a saving grace that could be it but I mean the Huskies if they play anywhere near the level they play it they played against BYU this weekend yeah. you kind of imagine that it wouldn't even be close
1: yeah and the Rose Bowl I mean the Rose Bowl is interesting I always think because the Rose I mean it's got such tradition it's obviously the most storied stadium probably in American sports mm-hmm. but the atmosphere in the Rose Bowl for a Rose Bowl versus the atmosphere in the Rose Bowl for a yeah. UCLA game. Yeah, very it's different. It's completely different. I mean, the fa-
0: it's not even near their campus. They have to bus people yeah, out there. To bus there. people yeah.
1: there, it's a 90,000, 95,000-seat stadium. And yeah. it doesn't matter how good UCLA is, you're not putting 90,000 UCLA fans in the stadium. It's Every just, single game. It's not yeah. going to happen. And when they're bad, I mean, I don't actually have their attendance numbers on me, but they're not even coming. I don't... They might be filling it halfway, mm. maybe even two-thirds if they're lucky, but it's just not that packed house.
0: All right, so I think that about wraps up our coverage on this week's Dog Zone. Thank you for listening. This has been Andy Amashta along with Josh Kirschenbaum filling in for Alec Dietz, who will be your normal host going forward from here. If you want to join the conversation on Twitter, please tweet us at Box Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Monday.